Welcome to Almost Here, Round the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies poised to transform our lives for better or worse are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used or just around the corner from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. I'm doing well. How are you? Okay, good. Yeah, thanks for being here. Um, if you would, I'm sure you can describe what Trifusion does a lot better than I could. So if you would, just give a quick background. Sure. So uh, Trifusion, uh, it's really about using 3D printing for uh, medical devices. Uh, specifically, we're targeting uh, prosthetic and orthotic devices. Uh, these are uh, devices that a person who suffers from limb loss uh, either an amputation or a uh, congenital birth defect, uh, who doesn't have a limb, uh, would use a prosthetic device to walk around every day. Um, this, is, uh, this is also something the, uh, our veterans would use. So somebody who's lost a limb uh, in the service of our country, uh, they need a prosthetic device to be able to walk around and carry out uh, kind of a daily normal life. Um, so we're all about... Uh, using 3D printing and the ability to manufacture a custom, uh, bespoke, and one-off device uh, that's really necessary in order to make these uh, these products. Uh, we're implementing 3D t- printing technology to do that. Yeah, what, what got you into this particular part of 3D printing and 3D printing in general? Were you guys in the military or what's the, the reason? So yeah, I'll, I'll go into my background a little bit. Uh, that's kind of where this started. Uh, I started working for the Army Research Labs when I was in high school. So uh, I grew up in the Maryland area, uh, Baltimore, northern Baltimore, and uh, I started working for the Aberdeen Proving Grounds uh, at the Aberdeen, uh, at the um, Army Research Labs, and uh, I was working a lot with robotic devices, and uh, we would use 3D printing uh, to prototype designs, uh, but we had this big issue that the parts that we would print out, uh, they would fracture in between the layers. They would just kind of peel apart. And uh, it was great. You know, you could design something in CAD and then click print. And a couple hours later, uh, your part was just sitting there and waiting for you. So that aspect we loved. Uh, It's so fast compared to traditional uh, machine shop turnaround times. And uh, the complexity that you can put into those designs is unbelievable. But there was always this uh, hesitation there because we couldn't use it for a final full-strength part because of this uh, fracture issue uh, in between the layers. Um, So I had always had this kind of experience with 3D printing. uh, And, you know, in the back of my mind, uh, I kind of carried that around with me. Like, you know, how can we solve this issue? There's got to be a way to address this uh, interlayer weakness uh, that's inherent to 3D printed parts. And then, uh, so I went to college, uh, kept on working for the Army Research Labs. Uh, and as I was finishing up um, college at Rensselaer Polytechnic, 
uh, I really knew that I wanted to go into um, and, and get my PhD, uh, do some research. Uh, I'd been working a lot with nanomaterials, and uh, I started my PhD uh, at Texas Tech University with my advisor, Dr. Micah Green. And uh, we worked with uh, carbon nanotubes a lot, and he had a project where they were using carbon nanotubes and microwaves to detect very low concentrations of carbon nanotubes in biological samples. And the reason is because carbon nanotubes, they, uh, they interact with electromagnetic energy uh, pretty uh, uniquely uh, in comparison to other materials. They heat up super fast. Uh, you put a little bit of carbon nanotube powder in a microwave oven, and the stuff basically explodes. Uh, so uh, when I kind of had some interaction with that, uh, that technique, I thought, you know, this is a really interesting material that we could use uh, to couple with 3D printing materials in order to address this weakness. So uh, along with my advisor, we invented this method where we take uh, these nanomaterials, the carbon nanotubes, and we put them into the 3D printer feedstock, uh, which is filament. It looks kind of like weed whacker line. And uh, the way that we put those materials into the filament uh, allows them to be deposited right at the interfaces of that 3D printed part. Uh, and then when you apply an electromagnetic field, uh, that material it heats up rapidly and it welds the layers together. Um, so just like you would weld uh, like an I-beam together uh, in a skyscraper, um, you know, you take a point source of heat like a torch and you weld the interface together. And we do the exact same thing for 3D printing, except we do it at the nanoscale uh, because of the materials that we're using. So this is like a super glue for the layers that make up a lot of 3D printed objects. Yeah, it, you know, it's like uh, out of the hundreds or thousands of layers of little tiny bits of plastic that you're squirting out uh, to make your part, uh, we are going in and welding every one of those together uh, by using these kind of unique materials and then the uh, the application of uh, electromagnetic energy. That's really smart. So what um, kind of materials can this be used for? Which ones is it compatible with and which ones not? So right now we're really focused on thermoplastic materials. Uh, so in, when you're talking about plastics, there's generally two different kinds of plastics. There's uh, thermoplastics and thermoset uh, plastic materials. And Thermosets are like epoxies and rubbers. Um, our technology potentially can work for those, but right now we're really focused on thermoplastics. And thermoplastics, you, when you heat them up, they soften and then they start to flow. Uh, so the vast majority of uh, plastic parts that you interact with on a day-to-day -day basis are made using thermoplastics. Uh, so we're using the, the heating response of those nanomaterials to... Uh, locally heat up the interface of those thermoplastics to get them to soften and then bond together. Um, so that's one of the, the unique properties of thermoplastics is that when you heat them up, you can reshape them, reform them, weld them together um, as opposed to thermosets. Once they're, once they're solidified, the part is done. It's set in its shape. You can't heat it up to reform it. So what have you seen experimentally this has done to the uh, 3D printed objects you're making, you know, before and after using the carbon nanotubes to weld them? 
Uh, how much stronger are they? What other properties are affected? Yeah, so uh, with a traditional 3D printed part uh, that doesn't have our technology, when you print something, uh, and when you print a part, you're you're laying down these kind of slices of material, like uh, you'll um, print out one layer, and then the bed or the print head moves up a little bit, and then you print out another layer of material, and you keep on doing that over and over again to build your part up in the Z direction. Uh, so that's generally how 3D printing works. And when you test the properties of these parts, uh, the mechanical properties, say you were to print out a, uh, a little material, uh, like a bar, to test its strength, when you print it vertically on the bed so that all of those interfaces are aligned uh, perpendicular to the, the pulling direction, you only get about half of the strength of the base material. Um, if you were to injection mold or machine uh, a similar test bar, uh, you would see that you know that's kind of like the baseline full strength of the part. But if you 3D print out the, the, the same shape vertically, uh, it's at best half the strength. And that's a big issue uh, because when you can um, when you're making a part and you design it, if it's only half of the strength, uh, of the normal material, then everything else has to get bumped up by at least a factor of two. Um, so you, you either have to have you know twice the wall thickness or uh, twice the size and shape of it to make it strong enough. And for a lot of designs, that just doesn't work. Um, so when we do uh, our welding process, we're able to recover between 95 to 98% of the strength of the part. Uh, so that's a huge increase of the strength, and it makes our uh, parts basically the equivalent of an injection-molded or a machined counterpart. Uh, and in the world of 3D printing, uh, that's night and day. That's the difference between your part uh, fracturing on you and uh, you didn't even know that it was broken, uh, or you know the device lasting for many years without any issue at all. Yeah, so polymers, they generally do fail in shear uh, when they're pulled. And uh, our, our technology, it's really addressing uh, both of those uh, material weaknesses. Um, so when you weld the layer and the interfaces together, uh, you're getting increased polymer interdiffusion across that interface. So if you imagine like uh, two spaghetti noodles that are separated uh, really, in order to get the strongest bond, we want the noodles to be as mixed together as possible um, across an interface. Uh, if the polymer chains, if they're not entangled, then it's, it's pretty weak. Uh, and with our technology and that thermal energy being directed just at the interface, uh, we're able to uh, energetically excite the polymer chains and cause them to diffuse into each other and that provides both tensile and shear uh, strength. Yeah, yeah this, is, this is a great, uh, great thing to figure it out. So you don't have to use too much material. You can probably use finer dimensions. The parts stronger and last longer. And it's just all good things because of those things. That's right, yeah. Um, do the electrical properties of a part change? Uh, 
affecting the diffused uh, carbon nanotubes in each layer, or is that not affected at all? So, uh, you know, that is one of the other interesting aspects to our materials. Uh, they are technically electrically conducting. Uh, it's not the same as a metal, so it's not enough to really pass a lot of current through it. Uh, but it does work very well for anti-static uh, or ESD applications. Uh, so uh, we've actually had some interest from the military who's interested in using this for uh, EMI shielding and electrostatic discharge uh, for aerospace components or other materials that need those properties. And uh, <clears throat> the, the really nice thing is that we only use a very tiny amount of active material, the carbon nanotubes, uh, in this process. So that, that means we can do it a lot cheaper than a counterpart material that's filled with a lot of conductive particles. So getting back to the applications that you're using it for, so your 3D printing prosthetic, what kind are you tending to print most often, arms or legs or just parts of them, and, and what applications are, are they using? We're really focused on lower limbs right now, so legs. Um, we're, we're targeting both uh, transfemoral and transtibial uh, sockets. So... Um, the the main reason is uh, those are the the limbs that are going to be most debilitating to uh, to not have. So you know if you don't have an arm, uh, that's that's not good. But you can still walk around. You can go shopping. Uh, you can drive a car. Uh, those things are are pretty easy for you. But if you're missing a, a lower limb. You know, that, that's debilitating. You either have a prosthetic device or you're living your life in a wheelchair, one of the two. And uh, to, to have a prosthetic device with today's uh, methods, a, a lower limb can cost uh, somewhere between ten dollars and $50,000 uh, for all the components. And generally those devices, they wear out every three to five years uh, and need to be replaced. And... Healthcare costs are, you know, insurance is just not really covering uh, the majority of that. Um, the the user and patient is left to bear the cost of uh, the vast majority um, for for that three D print for that uh, sorry that limb. And with three D printing technology, we're able to provide a a device that uh, meets the needs of the patient uh, at a factor of uh, five or ten. Uh, less than current technologies. So all in, we can produce devices uh, somewhere between uh, $500 and $5,000, depending on the, the complexity and the materials that are involved uh, to a patient. And we can also do it a lot faster. So normally, one of these devices, uh, it involves a lot of manual labor, and it takes uh, somewhere between four and six weeks uh, minimum to get the custom device made for a patient. And with 3D printing technology, all of that gets expedited. Uh, so we can do this in uh, as little as 48 hours. Well, um, So how much better are your leg or leg prosthesis than, than normally? So they wear out every three to five years. Um, are they more comfortable because they're customized? Do you do a scan of the person? Um, I don't know what you call the part that you that the 
prosthetic would adhere to or where it joins the body? Like, did you scan that area? Like, what's the process? And what are the improvements? Yeah, so uh, the, the methodology that we use right now, uh, we've, there is a big software component to this um, because all of our design work is done digitally. Uh, we've teamed up with a company called uh, Standard Cyborg. They're out in San Francisco. And they're really the, the software uh, sister company to our hardware company. And uh, we will, we've partnered up with them so that they have a, uh, a partner clinic and a, a prosthetist or an orthotist who uh, uses their app uh, on an iPad. And the iPad has a 3D scanner hooked up to it. And you'll go in and you'll scan in a person's limb geometry. Uh, so if they have a transfemoral or transtibial uh, amputation, you will use the 3D scanner uh, to get the digital image of their uh, residual limb. Uh, that gives you a CAD file, which the prosthetist can go into uh, the software program. They can manipulate that. Uh, a lot of times they will do uh, volume reductions or they'll kind of sand in and smooth areas out or they'll uh, flare um, some areas in or out. And that's all based on uh, the fact that uh, your limb, you know, it, it's very much a, uh, a fluid object. Uh, it's not this rigid, hard uh, thing. If, if you push on your knee and your leg, uh, you see that there's areas that are softer than others. You've got ligaments. You've got bone. Uh, it's a very complex object. So simply scanning it in to get the shape, that isn't sufficient to have like the perfect fit device uh, because everything changes when you put your weight on it. Uh, and when you're walking around, uh, you know, you're going to have the areas of bone. They're not going to move at all. So that needs to be fit very well. Uh, but your your muscles and your tendons, those are all going to be moving dynamically. So to make the prosthetic device fit comfortably, uh, a prosthetist who's trained uh, to do this process, they need to know how to adjust the limb in order to uh, to make it fit well and be comfortable and not cause rashes or you know rubbing that's going to irritate your skin. Uh, so that's a really highly um, technical skill. They're trained to do that. So we're partnering up with uh, prosthetists to do that process. And then once they have a design that they're comfortable with, uh, you know, we're, we're looking at uh, a socket here. You could think of it kind of like, I don't know, a ski boot or uh, some other really tightly fitting uh, uh, shoe that's going to be rigid, essentially. Uh, these devices, they're not made out of you know, the soft leathers that your shoes are typically made out of. These are uh, typically carbon fiber devices. Um, and that has to accept the residual limb and then support their weight as the patient's walking around uh, throughout their, you know, daily activities. And uh, so it, the, the fit has to be right to make it comfortable. And uh, once that prosthetist, they have the, the shape that they want, we will take that file and then we print it out uh, using our materials and technology. And uh, we send that back to the clinic. And the clinic, they'll take the components that we sent to them and do the final assembly and the final fitment uh, of those devices. And uh, actually, one of the major benefits of our process 
And this kind of goes back to what I was talking about before, the difference between thermoplastics and thermosets, uh, is that thermoplastics, again, they can be reheated and shaped uh, to change them a little bit. So uh, say we send a, a patient a device and they've walked around on it for a day or two and they figure out, hey, you know, there's a pressure point, right, uh, where my, um, my uh, adductor muscle is. Can you take this socket and adjust it a little bit so it's more comfortable? Um, right now, with current technologies, you can't do that. Uh, once they've made a carbon fiber socket uh, with an epoxy resin uh, and it's cured and set, uh, that's the shape of it. You can't do anything to adjust the fit. So if they need something changed uh, and you've already made the final definitive socket, then you have to throw it away, scrap it, and start over again. Uh, and, you know, that's a huge uh, waste of time and money to, to do that process over again. Uh, with our technology, you can, t you can take the socket uh, that's been printed out, and you can take a heat gun, and right where it needs to be adjusted, you can heat it up a little bit to the, the point where the plastic softens, and then they can, you know, adjust the fit as necessary. Uh, and then when it cools back down, the shape gets set again. Um, so we think that that alone really offers a major benefit to patients uh, so that at, throughout the life of using their device, they can come back as necessary and have it uh, tweaked here and there for comfort. Uh, whereas before, if it didn't fit right, sorry, you got to live with that for three years before you get a new one. And uh, that must be a pain. That's amazing. Wow. That's really cool what you guys are doing. Thank you. What is so? How many patients have um, you made wins for, and what's been their feedback and commentary if you if you're at that stage? So yeah, we have two different product lines uh, out right now. Uh, the first major product line is for something called check sockets. Uh, a check socket is a clear version of the socket uh, for a patient. And uh, that is like the first step that a clinician will use to check the fitment of the design. Um, so typically they'll, they'll make a check socket out of like a, a, a polyethylene terephthalate sheet that's drawn over a plaster version of the patient's limb. Uh, and then they'll fit that onto them and check to see if they got everything right or if it needs to be adjusted. Uh, so our, our first major product line is a 3D printed version of that. Uh, we can do it a lot faster and a lot more accurately using the digital scanning and 3D printing process. And uh, to date, I mean, uh, I actually don't have a full count, but we're sending out uh, between uh, three and six uh, check sockets every week. Um, we're, we're teaming up with that company, Standard Cyborg, to supply these devices. And... Uh, you know, we're, we're starting out this technology um, kind of on the smaller scale, and uh, this upcoming year we're going to be growing that to uh, much larger volumes uh, as the need grows with our partner clinics. Um, so uh, we have um, probably around 50 or so check sockets uh, that are out in the field right now uh, that have been tested and used uh, for this fitment process. And then the other major product line, uh, which is really where our technology hits, uh, is the final definitive sockets. And uh, this is actually in beta phase right now. So we're not, we're not selling these devices yet uh, because we have to go through a clinical 
uh, trial phase in order to validate that these devices are safe. Um, and, you know, in, in compliance with the FDA and good manufacturing processes, we need to make sure that uh, we've fully refined the technology and that people who are using our devices every day uh, will be safe in doing so. So right now we've gotten through uh, three uh, phases of testing. We've, uh, we've worked with three different patients to test out our advanced materials and welding process. Uh, and the results have been really, really good. Uh, you know, there's still some things that we need to refine uh, as we continue working towards the, the clinical study and uh, validating all the, the, the materials and the lifetime use of the devices. But uh, we're, we're on track to be uh, getting this technology out into the market um, by uh, mid to late next year. So I think that in, in everything that we do uh, with our technology, the, the greatest benefit comes when you're dealing with devices that are custom. Uh, so to that end, you know, we're working with the prosthetic limbs. Uh, the next phase that we'll be kind of entering into is orthotic devices. Uh, so this is like knee braces, ankle braces, neck braces, um, back braces uh, for scoliosis. Uh, so there's a lot of uh, applications in uh, patient uh, orthotic devices that could benefit from this customized and accurate scanning, modeling, and then printing technology uh, that we've been developing. Uh, so that's our next market that we're going to be entering into. Uh, that's an easy win for us uh, because it shares a lot of the same uh, process uh, control parameters and um, steps in making these devices, and uh, we'll be able to enter into that market fairly rapidly. Uh, and then down the road, uh, there's two other main areas that we want to get into with this technology. Uh, the first is working with uh, sporting protective equipment. So uh, we've seen a lot of need uh, for custom helmets, protective helmets, uh, pads and guards, um, right now, you know, you have small, medium, large, uh, you know, it, it's kind of a, a one-size-fits-all uh, economy for these products. And as we know, people are all different sizes and shapes, and uh, it's, it's kind of critical for things like football helmets or um, knee pads and all these things that they fit properly for athletes to have the most comfort. Uh, so that they'll actually want to wear their protective equipment, um, and also so that the device can function uh, at its best uh, to absorb impact. Years, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, years, years ago, quick story, my dad um, used to ride motorcycles, and he had to get a custom helmet made because his head was, you know, big. <laughs> and if I try to wear a baseball hat, I have to put it on the last notch. My son is the same way, so yeah, I would love something like this. So good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, it's... This is a, a first-hand experience for almost everyone that uh, you get something um, that's supposed to be, you know, a wrist strap that, you know, you go through the little notches of your wrist strap and none of them really quite fits uh, for you. It gets close, but it never really fits custom to you. So anytime there is an application where we can 
uh, take digital scans of anyone's geometry uh, and then uh, use our modeling process and then printing process to create an exact custom fit device for you, uh, then I think that's a big win for our technology because uh, that's exactly how 3D printing should be used. Uh, you know, we're, we'll probably never get into markets where uh, it's designed for mass production. Uh, we don't claim to be able to make parts as quickly as an injection molder can. Uh, you can spit out thousands of parts per hour uh, with big injection molding machines. So uh, if it's a mass-produced device that doesn't need any customization, that's not really our market. Um, but anything that involves humans uh, and needs to be custom-fit, uh, we can really do a, a lot of good there. Um, one other area would be uh, for the military and law enforcement uh, to create soft body armor. Uh, you know, I, I don't know that we're going to be doing ballistic body armor uh, anytime soon, but um, there are a lot of applications where uh, having more custom fit uh, devices uh, that are designed for an individual user um, the, the military, our soldiers could benefit from that. Our law enforcement and first responders could, could all benefit from that technology. Uh, so that's one of the other future markets that we're looking to get into. Yeah, the vest or some other device is comfortable. It's more likely to be worn, so it could easily save someone's life. It may ride up in the wrong spot or you know, not fit properly and not cover someone, so it makes total sense. Yeah, that's right. Yep. So what, um, I understand you guys focus on customized items. In general, though, what do you think is possible in the next few years, specifically in regards to what you guys do, and what do you think is still fantasy or it's going to be quite a while before you're able to do it? What's your uh, dream goals for your technology? So, you know, specifically, I can um, share one example uh, that we're working on right now. Uh, and this kind of goes back to creating a better fit uh, for people. Um, you know, with, with current uh, prosthetic technologies, uh, you're using, you know, aerospace-grade materials. Uh, that's great. Carbon fiber, uh, Kevlar materials uh, to create a, a strong prosthetic socket. Um, the only problem is, is that, you know, it's a rigid device. Uh, it doesn't move or flex uh, with the body as you move around. Um, so, you know, imagine walking around all day long in a pair of wooden or carbon fiber shoes. Uh, you know, they'd be tough as nails, but your feet would start to hurt pretty bad after a couple of days of using those. Um, so uh, what we want to do in, in the next couple of uh, months here is continue developing a new method that we've worked on for blending together uh, stiff and flexible materials so that you can create these gradients between your structural reinforcement and a more compliant and flexible area of the device. So, you know, th this is the, a major uh, biomimetic approach here to go about making prosthetic devices. Uh, our limbs are these really complex blend of hard and rigid materials, structural materials, your bone, uh, to high tensile materials, your, your uh, connective tissues, and then your muscle, uh, the soft fatty tissue, and your skin. 
it's this blend of all these different materials. They all have different stiffnesses. And uh, what we want to do is to uh, create better fitting devices by matching uh, certain materials to areas of the, the limb that need to be either reinforced or allowed to flex and move uh, as you move. Um, so you can imagine uh, having windows, uh, little areas where your muscles are that are going to blend into more of a flexible material. Uh, and then around the, the brim, the upper edge of the device, having that to be, uh, you know, gradient-wise uh, uh, move from the hard, rigid, reinforcing material into, again, this flexible material will allow for much greater comfort so that you don't get uh, pressure sores or other, um, you know, major uh, skin irritations where the, the hard device meets your soft tissue. So that's one of the concrete examples of uh, how we're going to be using 3D printing uh, materials and technologies to uh, increase the fit and comfort of these devices because uh, right now that's just not really possible. Um, you, you can't create gradients where a material flows from carbon fiber to an elastic part. Uh, you'd, you'd weaken the material and it would involve thousands of man-hour laborers crafting such a complex device. But uh, when you get software into the mix and you can tell a computer, you know, hey, I want this area to be flexible, and in this area I need it to be strong and reinforced, uh, at the end of the day all we do is click print and feed the materials into the printer, and it comes out uh, with this beautiful amount of complexity in the design. And all we did was you know, sat there and watched it print out. Um, so I think that's one of the main areas that we are looking to advance here in the near term. Um, and then in the future, I, I think it all comes down to uh, starting to work with different kinds of materials. Um, so I'd love the ability to print out uh, metals and ceramics along with uh, polymer components. Uh, you know, I think that's it's still a little bit of a pipe dream. Um, you know, I, that might be five or ten years out to the point where we could do that. Um, but if we could print out an entire prosthetic device that didn't need any other uh, components or uh, attachment points, um, that would be amazing uh, to have everything in one shot. Uh, and I think that that is, it's definitely on the horizon. It's just a question of when. Very good. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so for companies, individuals, um, that you potentially could work with, what's the best way of them to contact your company? Uh, you can go to our website right now, uh, trifusion.co. Uh, and, um, you know, I, I guess there's been a lot of media uh, that's kind of surrounded this after we won the uh, Rice Business Plan competition. Uh, so if you just Google Trifusion, uh, you can find us pretty easily. Um, and I, I think in the future that, uh, really, we will uh, we'll be partnering with uh, a lot of clinics. Um, we're starting with uh, clinics here in Texas. Uh, we're located in College Station, Texas. So uh, we've been working with the Baylor College of Medicine in Houston uh, and uh, Center for the Intrepid in San Antonio. Uh, and then we have several partner clinics that are out in California. Uh, and I think that uh, as we start to grow this technology, uh, that really everything is just going to travel by word of mouth. Uh, the orthotics and prosthetics community is uh, pretty well connected. So um, if, if they see people walking around with our devices, 
uh, I think that um, they'll they'll see the benefit of the technology and uh, we'll have some more customers there. Okay, very good. Well, I appreciate you taking the time. This is a great uh, service to a lot of people, you know, the technology that you've come up with. And it's, it's really cool that you're starting with the military. And, uh, you know, I think it's going to be a, a huge help to people that are disabled in general. So. Yeah, thanks for uh, taking the time to ask us some questions. Uh, we really appreciate uh, your interest in our technology. And uh, definitely, we, we look to uh, improve people's lives all across the board by uh, using 3D printing. And uh, we really hope to, uh, you know, it, it's been really cool. Some of the, the patients that we've worked with, uh, as soon as they put the device on, you see their face light up and uh, they realize how quick the process was, how easy it was. And uh, that's what fires us up. We get so motivated when we see that response from people uh, and how much it can do to change their lives and um, we, you know, we just, we want to be able to reach as many people as possible. Very good. Okay. Well, thanks for taking the time. I appreciate you being on the show. Absolutely. You have been listening to Almost Here, Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, post a review, to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more.